Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. We are busy with our series, Befriend, and what a wonderful term to use when we speak of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, first off, uh, maybe think back to, to things that happen in your life that are firsts, uh, things that are uh, gifts that you receive, things that you attain. Uh, think, for instance, of buying a new car. Who of you have seen those pictures on Facebook? The car's got a ribbon <clears throat> around its, uh, shall we say, neck? I don't know. And uh, there's a picture, there's a selfie, and someone's saying, oh, lovey, thank you for buying this car. And the husband's like, many happy miles. You know, you know that thing there. <clears throat> so, so the way I grew up, or when I grew up, when I was a bit younger than now, and Aline was talking about, would you rather? So I don't have any hair stuck in my eyes. I'm okay there. But when I got, my wife and I got married nearly two, 22 years ago, cell phones had just entered the free state. So you didn't have selfies, uh, Facebook, what was that? You know, it's like someone sleeping with a book on their face. You didn't have that. Uh, but these days, I see when people get married, because I do a lot of weddings, and you, just the moment you, you have them sign that register, the next thing, the wife is already posting selfies, and it's everything. You think, how did you do that? You know, the one moment you were signing, the next, there's photos. <clears throat> and you have these selfies and photos of how they, they drive to their, their, their honeymoon destination, and it's pictures of the place. And unfortunately, they spare us that part for a few hours, and then... Then it's pictures again of the restaurant and so on. So, so things that are new, perhaps a, a lady that, that's in labor, giving birth. It's, uh, I'm always amazed. You know, that poor lady is in labor for 40 hours. And the next thing, there's a selfie. Look, my baby. You know, so, so people are excited about sharing news, about sharing good news. Um, how about diets, eh? Yo, I mean, there are a million diets. And then you see someone again, they, the last time, six months, you didn't see them on Facebook. The last diet just didn't make it. And then there's a new one. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm on the scale and I've got all the charts and everything. We want to share news. And so when we speak about the gospel, this word evangelion, which means the good news, you and I, as those who are standing close to Jesus Christ, should have this longing to share the gospel. Do you agree with me? It should be a spontaneous thing, but what we see in research is that 47% of Christians between the age of 26 and 41 say, but they don't really share the good news. They don't share their faith. 56% of Christians say they haven't shared their faith in the last year. And then, ironically, you see that non-believers or those who say that they don't believe in Jesus Christ or don't have a, a, a journey with Him, they say that they expect Christians to share their faith. It would just make sense for them. They want to hear them share their faith. However, unfortunately, many of them say, we won't really buy into your faith because of the reputation of Christians. Enough. But why would we share our faith? This is where you're sitting now. So ask yourself this question. Why on earth would I want to share my faith? And I think the Apostle Paul helps us. He writes in Romans, the first chapter, verse 16. I don't have it up there, but you can make a note if you want. Romans 1, verse 16. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
Why does he say that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Something had happened in Paul's life. And he says, this thing that happened to me isn't a new religion. It's not, not a, there are ten ways to do life. He says, Jesus Christ happened to me. And therefore, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Verse 17, he says, because in it, a righteousness from God is revealed through faith. Why would you want to share your faith? Because something happens when Jesus Christ enters our lives, reveals himself as Lord and Savior, recreates us in him, repositions us in God, that makes me say, I want to share my faith. Have you heard of this one? You find it on bumper stickers, you find it in bookmarks, you find it on Facebook, obviously, Instagram. Preach the gospel at all times. And if you have to, use words. Have you heard that? Beautiful sentiment. And I understand it because Christianity is much more than theory. Christianity is practice. Christianity is going out, having an impact. But the message of the gospel needs to be preached and it needs to be heard. Do you agree with me? I mean, someone can arrive at my front door and say, I want you to buy this product. I want you to buy this product. It costs 500 rand. I've got it in my boot. Would you please buy it? Do you have money with you? And I'll say, well, show me your product. Is it a, is it a hairdryer? I can't use it. Is it a vacuum cleaner? Yes, I can use it. I want to know what it is. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that needs to be preached and it needs to be heard. Romans 10 verse 14. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them what is your picture of a preacher is it me on a stage on a sunday trying my best at good english is a preacher a tv evangelist have you seen those yeah, in the latter part of the, 19th, of the 20th century, 1900s, the TV evangelist became a very, very popular thing. And you've got the account number flashing at the bottom, you know, all of that, and the hair nicely done and so on. Is that your picture of a, an evangelist or of someone preaching? Perhaps it's the picture of someone standing somewhere awkwardly on a street corner with matching tie, Bible on high, a sign that says, prepare to meet thy God. Is that your final picture of a preacher? Maybe your picture is somewhere in our, on our continent of Africa, under a tree or a makeshift building or the Amazon or wherever, preaching. Um, uh, I've been to a few other African countries and uh, preaching then. It's, it was always such a treat working with uh, an interpreter. You know, those interpreters are amazing people. They are actually also impro improvisers. It's amazing. You would say, <clears throat> you know, God really loves you. And then this guy would go, he would go like five minutes. And I'm like, okay, so have you now expounded every scripture on God's love? Very, very improvisational. Is that your picture? Perhaps your picture of a preacher is a Jehovah's Witness coming to your front door with a Bible, with scriptures, with something, or someone going door to door, knocking, showing the scriptures, saying, you need to be saved. Do you have a broader understanding of what it means to preach the gospel, the good news? Because maybe 
we need to revisit the concept that we have of preaching the gospel. And we're using this term in this series, friendship evangelism. Isn't that a very natural way to talk about it? That people aren't a project. People aren't a program. Uh, we are reaching people with the gospel through, by means of friendship. So in the first week we said anyone and everyone can preach the gospel. If you are a believer, if you have come to know Jesus Christ, it's not up to the professional people. God has called you where you move every day, every week to preach the gospel. But then this beautiful thing again, people aren't a project. And so we saw last week in the picture, in the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. You remember that? So Jesus is walking through the streets and, uh, and suddenly he just stops. And people are probably wondering why. And next moment he looks up and he calls the guy up there. He's, he doesn't say, hey, brother, come down. Or, hey, you up there, who is short. No, he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to have dinner at your house. He uses his name. He calls him by name because the God that we serve knows our name. Do you know that this morning? Were you sitting? Do you know that God knows your name? But not only your name, he knows your story. And so Jesus knew Zacchaeus, and he knew his story, and he knew how hated he was, and how rejected he was, and how desperate he was. And he made it personal. He knew his name. Today I want to speak about this topic, to add value. To add value to people's lives. Isn't that a beautiful concept? That we, that we know that God has given us this message to preach with our lives, yes, but with our words also. That he wants us to know people by name, but then following that, he wants us to add value to people's lives. Now, the Apostle Paul was someone who knew how, how to add value to people's lives. Let's read together from 1 Corinthians 9, from verse 19. Just, just listen to Paul's words here. He says... Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free uh, from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To, the, to win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. I'm sure you've heard these words. And obviously we can, we, we, there can be a misunderstanding. And I've seen that, unfortunately, you see people who say, well, I'm going to infiltrate the world. You know, this used to be a nightclub. About 20, 25 years ago, I was actually in a band, and we played here on Friday nights. And we tried to infiltrate. Now, fortunately, I had already been saved by then. I'd already had a relationship with Jesus, and so did the rest of us. So God really protected me from a lot of things. And I think we had a measure of impact here. But what Paul is not saying here. He's not saying, okay, well, I'm going to now drink with the guys, and I'm going to speak like them, and when I'm really drunk, I'm going to say, Jesus loves you. He really loves you. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, I'm going to stand close to people, 
And I'm going to win their confidence. I'm going to win their hearts. And when I do that, when I've done that, it'll open their hearts to the truth. It's beautiful that he says, I made myself a slave to everyone. Yeah, that's quite a bold statement, isn't it? To say, well, to everyone, wherever I move, I make myself a slave. Where does that come from? It comes from Paul saying to Jesus Christ, the moment when he meets him on the road to Damascus, and Jesus says, what are you doing? And he says, who are you? And Jesus says, I am the Lord. At that moment, Paul became a slave to Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, whatever you want, I will do that. You see, as you and I move into Bloemfontein, we are slaves, servants of Jesus Christ. And as we move among people, we are also the slaves in the sense that we say, what can I do for you? How can I help? Where can I add value to your life? Why would we want to add value to people's lives? Why would you and I value people? Because God values people. What happened to Paul? When Jesus Christ met him, is the following, the result of it. 2 Corinthians 5.16, he says, So from now on, what does from now on mean? It means from the moment that Paul received a revelation from Jesus Christ of who he is and of his own value. He said, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. What does it mean for you as a follower of Jesus to regard no one from a worldly point of view? Who of you, who is tired of politics? <laughs> well, there may be politicians here. God bless you. We need you. We need godly politicians. But the politics of the world dictates that, that I look at a person's age, gender, race, social standing, and that I make a call in terms of their value. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that a worldly way of looking at things? And Paul says, I used to persecute Christians. I used to think that this rabbi Jesus was a rogue figure in Israel. I used to think that he, because he said he was the son of God, was blaspheming. But then something happened. And from, then, from that moment on, I never looked at Jesus Christ the same again and I never, ever looked at any person the same way again. Why? Because Paul understood that God valued him as a person. And therefore, as you and I go out into this world, the constant challenge for us is to look through the eyes of God to people. It's tough. Do you agree it's tough? Yes, of course it's tough. Of course it's tough. If we look at our, at our society and we look at, at so much negative news and so many negative things, here comes Paul and he says, Jesus Christ happened to me. Something happened. And from that moment on, I have placed value on people's lives. Here's a, here's a good picture of something that is valuable and the, the value of it determined by the creator of it. What do you think this is? <clears throat> now, apparently, it's a piece of art. Now, I come from the plotter, yeah, Groenvlei. I'm a very simple guy. I'm a musician, and I have, a, I think, a more or less a sense for style. But I'm not an artist, and I'm not an art connoisseur, definitely. So this guy, Mark Rothko, who are the art connoisseurs here? You know who he is. Of course you do. 
Yeah, because I know. I've got one at home. So he painted this, or whatever created it. Uh, it's called orange, red, and yellow, as you can see, obviously. And uh, so the auction house Christie's auctioned this off for, are you ready for this? 1.5 billion rands. Now, down the road is Mimosa Mall, and there's Mr. Price home. And I'm sure I can get something like this for 150 bucks. But that's me. That's me. You art lovers, you go like, you know, get off the stage. Why is it so valuable? Because Rothko, the artist, is extremely successful, well-known, wealthy, talented. And he determined the value of this art piece. And everyone went like, oh, it's a Rothko. Let's pay a lot of bucks for it. So he determined the value of this piece of art. God looks at you. He looks at us. And he says, I have determined your value. I determined it on the cross when your life was paid for. Your life was ransomed by Jesus Christ. The problem is, if you and I don't understand, don't get our own value in God's eyes, we can easily look at someone else and say they're worthless. We can easily look at someone else and say, oh, they are black, white, male, female, rich, poor, not, not worth much. But if I understand the value that God has placed on my life, everything changes. Uh, David words it like this in Psalm 139. From verse 13, he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Has this happened to you? Have you seen a glimpse of the value God places on your life? Do you understand that God has dreamed of you in the eternal past? He knew you were going to sit here today. He knew of the things that excite you, the things that scare you. He knew of the debt you are carrying, not only financially, but perhaps this, the debt of sin. And he knew that he wanted to make you his. God knows you. God loves you. God has added value to your life through the work of Jesus Christ, who did not save some random person, but he knows your name. He knows you by name, Isaiah 43 says. Here's another picture of adding value. Have you heard of John Maxwell? Very well-known American Pastor, preacher, business guy, he develops leaders. He is, yeah, he's just, he's got this legacy. And he tells the story of um, a man, um, I don't know who he is, an executive, some high flyer somewhere. And he decided that he wanted to invest in this guy's life. He wanted to add value to his life. So for weeks and months, he just kept having these times, these meetings or sessions or whatever with this guy, imparting truth. Uh, in terms of the business world, uh, personal development, and so on. He just kept giving and giving and giving. And, and then at one stage, this guy phoned him and said, can you come and see me, please? I have this question. He said, yes, what is it? He said, I don't understand you. You are this well-known guy. Definitely, you don't have time to spare. Why 
Are you keeping adding value to my life? You've never asked anything in return. And he said, well, I'm in the business world. That's how it works, you know. You help me, I help you. He said, what is happening? What are you doing? And John Maxwell apparently said to him, well, you know what? I want to bless you. I want to be good to you. And one day I would like to share the gospel with you. I would like to share my faith with you. And this guy was intrigued. He said, why won't you do it now? You know, why aren't you doing it now? I said, no. I want to keep just journeying with you. One day when you are ready, I will do it. How's that for a, for a wortel, ne? For, a, for a carrot? Ne? Something to lure him in. He said, well, I want to one day share my faith with you, but for now, I just want to keep adding value. And he kept doing that for, for some time. And then one day, this guy phones John Maxwell and he says to him, can you please come over? We've just had terrible news. And he he says, yes, of course, I'll be there. And he, he went. And then he found out that this poor guy's wife had just been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, apparently a true story. So really, he spoke to this guy. He said to him, you know what? After having walked with you for months now, I think you're ready for the gospel. And in this place, in this place of weakness, of, of, of being so fragile, but having built so much into this guy's life, he came to salvation and his wife and it may sound like a like a soppy story it's not it's the truth because God calls us to befriend people and to add value to their lives without thinking what can I benefit you know is it a notch on my belt one more saved is it something that I can post somewhere and say well I had an impact in this guy's life or is it what John Maxwell said he said, I just keep on imparting, adding value to your life. And once you trust me, once you know I really, really love you, I want to share my faith with you. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that so different to the picture that we sometimes have, you know? You encounter a stranger in the parking lot and say, hey, if that bus hits you, where are you going? Goodness. He added value to his life. Okay, it could have gone the other way. Let's be serious. Nay. Guy could have said, no way, pal. What are you busy with? You know, I am in pain here. Should we, because of that possibility, not add value to people's lives? Do you know the story of the ten lepers? Not leopards. The ten lepers. Uh, they had a skin disease, and uh, especially in biblical times, it was terrible. You know, when a, when a leper approached, they had to shout, say, leper, leper. And then everyone had to run away because they were unclean, and they could con uh, it was contagious, and, you know, it was ceremonially unclean and everything. So they were really cast out. Outcasts. That way around. Sorry. There goes the English now. Lacquer. It's like load shedding. You've got three more minutes. And so these 10 people, 10 guys, meet Jesus on the road. And what does Jesus do? He heals all 10 of them. Did he know what they were going to do, how they were going to respond? I don't know. He healed them, said goodbye, said to them, well, go show yourselves to the priests that they can declare you clean and healthy and healed. And um, they were, on their way they went, and Jesus went. And then one guy ran back to Jesus and came to thank him. He said, thank you for healing me. Why did Jesus do that? Was it so that someone could thank him? Let's think Bloemfontein. Someone at the robot. We call it robots, Muslim Bloom. Traffic light. Okay. At the traffic light. So often I've heard people say, I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to greet them because they only want to use it and sniff it and whatever. 
And this is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I'm going to add value to a person's life. doesn't matter what happens after that. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is saying, just add value to people's lives. What did Jesus do and what did Paul do? They included everyone. I'm going to read from the message, this verse 22 and 1 Corinthians 9. It says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. You see, it doesn't matter who they are. When Jesus sends you and me into the world, into Bloemfontein, from the moment that you walk out of this building, he's saying, I want you to add value to people's lives, whether they are black or white, male or female. Yes, whether they support the cheetahs or the sharks. Whether they support the DA, the ANC, the Freedom Front, whether they are from Bloemfontein or Redesburg or Joburg or De Wetstorp. You can actually see how Jesus, as he preached himself, the kingdom, the gospel, and those who followed in his footsteps, the apostles, are they, in a South African context, you could almost see them with, an, with a mix of an ANC and a Freedom Front t-shirt and a Zulu spear in the one hand and a concertina on the other hand. And they go and they move and they Im immerse themselves in the culture that is around them. Why? Because Paul says, I became all, thing to, all things to all people so that by all means I may reach some for the gospel, for Jesus Christ. And you know what? It doesn't help that we stand outside. The church is 2,000 years ago, uh, old. You know, we've been coming together on Sundays for 2,000 years. And church is an amazing place where God can do amazing things. But if we think this is the end of it, where we say to the world and to those perhaps who don't know Jesus yet, who don't have that relationship with him that we want, if we say to all of them, come, come to church and we'll add value to your life. That's not the picture that God had. Jesus said, go therefore into all the world, make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them. And so you and I are called to go where people are. Let's quickly think of your world, the world that you move in. Perhaps some of you are still students, others work, others are retired. Whatever the case be, perhaps some of you work from home. But that contact that we have with people, this morning the Lord is challenging you to say, I'm going to go out and add value. So we are, our kids are in school in the, in the south of Bloemfontein, and, uh, and my boy plays rugby, and uh, the other night we had a, a rugby braai. Have you ever been to a rugby braai? We don't sit and do Bible study there, just to say. And I love to go to those places. I especially love when they don't find out that I'm a pastor. That's beautiful. The moment they find out, they're like, let's bless this meat, pastor. You know, it's been a while, but I love church, you know. I really, you know, love him up there, you know. But as long as they don't know who I am or what I do, it's beautiful because they speak their language. And I say they, many of the people that went to the bride know the Lord and many of them are amazing in their journey already with the Lord. 
But there are people who have not yet grasped how much God loves them. And he sends me there to add value, to listen to stories, to laugh with them, to laugh at their jokes, to not be so oversensitive at the language that they use. He calls me to go and add value. And so I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to make the most of opportunities. If you are sitting here today as someone who has a close walk with the Lord, to go out there to that braai, to that golf day, to that baby shower, to that gym, on that trip, that hunting trip, to go out so that you can add value. Why does Paul say he became all things to all men? Because when I immerse myself in the culture, I get to understand where people are at. I can make an impact. I can add value to people's lives. Jesus did exactly that. The Bible says that he who was God came down. We call it the incarnation. He came to earth and he came to serve. He came to give his life. I want to give you an opportunity where you are sitting now to actually move a bit if you want. And to think of those areas and those people in your life that God wants to use you to have an impact in. So we've got the... Um, the tree there. I almost said the tree of life. And we're saying in the series, I have faith for someone or for people. And you've had the opportunity thus far to put something on, uh, uh, a name on that tree. Someone that you're trusting the Lord for. And perhaps you haven't done that yet. And we've got the facilities for that. And we've got everything there. You can write it down. You can go and put it on the tree there. But what I want to ask you to do this morning is perhaps take out your phone or your notebook and to think of that person or those people that God has put on your heart, that you want to impact, that you want to befriend and you want to impact with the gospel. And perhaps make a note and say, well, this is one way or these are a few ways that I can have an impact, that I can add value to people's lives. So perhaps you're a younger person here and you know of that couple that has kids and they haven't been on a date night since forever. Maybe you can babysit their kids. Or maybe you can say yes to that invitation. Someone's invited you to a party or something and you've thought, hey, it's going to be a bit uncomfortable. Perhaps this morning you want to make that note and say, I'm going to have an impact. I'm going to add value to this person's life in this way. So maybe take some time, do that, make a note of it. And uh, if you want, you can afterwards or now you can go and just, I think we're going to have some nice, nice soothing music there from the back. And uh, just move around a bit and maybe go and write down someone's name if you haven't yet. Or just ask the Lord to lead you. How can I add value to someone's life? So just spend a few moments. I'm going to pray for us and um, ask the Lord also to open your eyes, open your mind, your heart. Uh, to someone that would desperately just need, not first of all, necessarily you preaching at them, not necessarily you inviting them to church even, but you using the gifts that God has given you to bless them. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you this morning, Jesus, that you have placed so high a value on us that you paid the ransom for our lives. You made us children of God. Thank you, Lord, that it's not religion, it's life. It's, it's a relationship with you, Lord. Thank you, even this morning, with everyone sitting here, Lord, 
that perhaps for those that are sitting here and saying, well, I have not yet experienced that value over my life, that that is your declaration over each person here this morning, is that, Lord, you loved us so much, Father, that you sent your Son for us. Thank you for that truth, Lord. This morning it speaks louder than any lie, than any other conviction that anyone could bring, Lord. The conviction that you love us, you value us, Lord. And thank you also, Lord, that we can then take this value out because you did not only love me, but you loved the world, everyone. Lord, Holy Spirit, thank you that you give us the power, that you give us the sensitivity to go out and to add value to people's lives. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So maybe with the music still playing, if you would like to get up and just go and write a name on one of those, uh, what would you call them, stickers, tokens, leaves. There you go. One of those leaves. You're so welcome to maybe go write a name down there. Just put it on the tree. Just give a minute or two for that. Perhaps you still want to just make a note. How can I add value to someone's life? Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.